Welcome into the first ever episode of Houston We Have Prospects, your inside look into the Astros minor league system. I'm Sam Levin. I'm a radio broadcaster for the Corpus Christi Hooks, double eight team of the Astros, and I'm also the host of Hooks TV. You might have seen some of our videos online over the last couple of months. And before we get into the inaugural episode, the maiden voyage, if you will, of Houston We Have Prospects, I want to give you an idea of what our goal is with this thing. And essentially, that's to give you an inside look into the Astros minor league system about the players, the affiliates, and in today's case, you'll hear from broadcasters who are with the teams all season, travel on the road with players, and have a sense of what these guys are like, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And again, this is episode number one, and in my mind, it's really a work in progress. I'd love to hear from the folks who listen to this episode and know what you want to hear about. If you're an Astros fan or a fan of a minor league affiliate and there's something you think would be interesting or you want to hear about, please let me know. My Twitter is Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. And I would love to know where you see this thing going. And as we roll along here, as we get into the season, uh, know who you want to hear from. Are there players that are particularly interesting to you or a group of people you want us to talk to? Again, it's an open canvas right now as far as where this thing is going to go. But for today, we're essentially going to go around the minor league system. We'll start with my broadcast partner here at the Hooks, Michael Coffin, voice of the Corpus Christi Hooks. Then we'll talk to the voice of the Quad Cities River Bandits, Jake Levy. And we'll wrap things up with Peter Fiorentino, the broadcaster for the Tri-City Valley Cats in the New York Penn League. So without further ado, let's get to our first guest, Michael Coffin. You can find him on Twitter at CoffinMJC. Really good chat about the Corpus Christi Hooks and the success the Hooks have had the last couple of years. And also, Michael's a guy who has been a part of the Astros family for over a decade now and has a really good understanding of the way this minor league system operates. So now we're joined by my broadcast partner and the voice of the Corpus Christi Hooks, Michael Coffin, who spent a few weeks down at West Palm Beach at Astros Spring Training, checked out the brand new facility, also called a couple of games on the Astros radio network. Now, I asked him a couple of weeks ago if he's a beach guy, and he said no, but he gets back from Florida and he has a beautiful tan. What's that all about? Well, you know, beautiful people uh, down there, you got to have a beautiful tan. So I was just trying to, to mingle. It was nice. Thanks for having me on, by the way, Sam. This is uh, should be a fun project. Well, it should be. That's the plan. And you spent a couple of weeks at that brand new facility. Everybody's raving about it. What's it like down there? Well, it's it's great, uh, you know. And and it's nice when you have uh, baseball people, you know, design these facilities. And it, it sounds kind of weird to say, but not necessarily that's the case all the time. And uh, you know, in terms of ergonomics, in terms of flow, from a fan's perspective, everything is laid out perfectly. Uh, from the player's perspective as well, everything kind of naturally fits together from uh, the clubhouses to the strength conditioning rooms, to right. the weight rooms, to the backfields. And from a technology standpoint, fully integrated uh, for the baseball ops folks. And it's uh, just a, a, a tremendous facility. And uh, it's the, the, the main stadium itself is beautiful and uh, certainly has to be on the list for fans to go out there and check out some spring training games. And you got to call a couple of spring training games down there. So really a great experience for you representing the Hooks and the Astros organization. So let's start by talking about the Hooks. 89 wins in 2015, 85 wins in 2016. And they've been really lucky in the sense that the Hooks have been really good 
and they've had stars. Alex Bregman had a great season last year. Carlos Correa was here in 2015, just to name a few. And Rodney Linares has done a terrific job. I know you love working with him. How would you sum up the consistency in what the Hooks have been able to do the last couple of years? Well, yeah, I think it, it starts with pitching as well. You know, guys like Joe Musgrove and Lance McCullers uh, have really anchored uh, the, the uh, Hooks rotation. Uh, Keegan Yule was a big part of it last year with Corpus Christi. Chris Davinsky was a rock star here with the Hooks, and he's turning into one at uh, Minute Maid Park. And, and, you know, you talk about 15 and 16. You can even go back. I mean, uh, the Hooks have had 80 win seasons uh, four times in the last five years. Right. That's just incredible uh, in the Texas League 140-game schedule. Uh, the consistency is what stands out. And, uh, you know, the Astros have, have drafted well. And uh, the coaches are, are making it happen in terms of the development side. And it really is translated to W's here at Whataburger Field. So, Mike, you've been a part of the Astros family for a long time now, going back to when you were an intern working on the Astros radio network. And now, obviously, you've been with Corpus for a long time. You saw Jeff Luno take over. You saw this new player development staff take shape and, and influence how this minor league system has operated how important has their influence been, not only here in Corpus Christi, but in the entire organization? Well, it's the primary force. You know, these guys are, are, are making it happen. And uh, I think it starts with a draft. You look at uh, Jeff's track record in St. Louis, that, that really is what got him on the map. So they're hitting with these big draft picks. And also in the trades, kind of the, the minor uh, aspects of, of the big trades from Francis Martes, David Paulino, guys that really weren't, uh, on the map and on folks' radar have really evolved into elite uh, prospects, and, and that really has made the difference. And let's talk about some of those prospects now that were in spring training, had a big impact, a couple of guys who had a really nice spring. Number one, somebody who was in Corpus a ton last year, J.D. Davis, he had a really good spring and I think opened a lot of eyes as far as Major League fans and Major League evaluators. How would you sum up JD's performance last year and what he was able to do this spring training. Well, you know, JD was a, a tremendous impact bat for the Hooks last year, and he really only got better as the season uh, came on. He had a monster month of August. Overall, he had uh, 23 bombs uh, for Corpus Christi along with uh, 34 doubles. So a uh, tremendous power, uh, a, a great uh, defensive third baseman with a, with a uh, tremendous arm. And uh, to sum up what he's done in, in spring training, he's been in big league camp since day one, right. and he's, he's go going to Minute Maid Park to play in those exhibition games against the, the Cubs. So that tells you exactly what the Astros think of him, uh, and, and it tells you what kind of player he's going to be in the near future. And another one of those guys who I think falls in the same category is Derek Fisher, who opened a lot of eyes, not only with the bat and with the glove, but he was stealing bases during spring training. What are your recollections of him and what kind of player is he in your eyes? Well, you know, when he gets on base, uh, this is an explosive player. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the stolen bases. He was 10 for 10 yeah. in, in Grapefruit League games, which is incredible. And, uh, you know, I think Fisher's going to start the year in AAA. And with the, the success that he has had uh, in, in big league camp, I believe that's going to translate over. Uh, you, you mentioned the tools, the speed, uh, the power, the glove work is all there. And uh, it's, a, it's a crowded outfield for the Astros thinking about the big league level and thinking about AAA and even double with Ramon Laureano right. and then the corner infielders are stacked as well so uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made for sure well we can't talk about big time Astros prospects without mentioning Francis Martes who was here in Corpus all of last season we envision he'll probably start in AAA and 
likely get a cup of coffee, get his shot at the big leagues before 2017 is over. Uh, He was somebody I know, Mike, you saw a ton of last season. And one of the goals of this podcast is to go beyond the numbers and go beyond the guy on the mound. We know Francis Martis has great numbers. Fans can watch him on MILB.TV and see why this guy is so highly rated and, and so high up on every organizational chart and every minor league player ranking you can find on the internet, really. But I want to know what not only makes this guy special as a pitcher, but what's he like off the field as well? A a great kid. And, you know, you have to emphasize the word kid. I mean, he was 20 years old pitching in this league last year. And, you know, he had some some rough outings, and and guys are going to have that, you know, as you mature. Uh, but, you know, this was a guy who was plucked out of the, the Gulf Coast League in the Marlins system and was really unheard of. Uh, and here he comes out. He throws 98, uh, a big-time breaking ball, and is now uh, developing that changeup. He's worked on that a lot more uh, in, in spring camp. And, uh, you know, Martes is, is the guy for the Astros in terms of pitching, uh, in terms of prospects. You know, everybody's talking about uh, the Quintana trade and uh, the, the White Sox want Martes, and the Astros just are, are not going to give him up all that easily and uh, he had a great uh, run in big league camp he's going to start the year in triple a and I I think A.J. Hinch the Astros manager one of the main uh, points that he wanted to make to to Francis was hey don't look at this triple a gig as a a demotion you know although you were pitching in big league games in spring training uh, you're going to be one of the first couple three guys called up when things happen and and as you know uh, you don't need five starters in the big leagues. You need, uh, well, 10, given injuries and everything that can happen throughout the course of a 162-game schedule. So Martes is a guy who's uh, probably going to make his big league debut this year with the Astros, and there's going to be some fireworks. Now, it should be an interesting year here in Corpus as well because, like we said at the top of this conversation, Hooks have had a lot of big names. Bregman, Correa, Martes, Kyle Tucker uh, probably is going to start the year uh, at high A, maybe somebody we see by the end of the year. Before I let you go, I do want to talk about the Texas League in terms of the travel and the size of the league because it's really unique in the sense that there are only eight teams. So you see a lot of the same guys. You face the same teams all the time. And when you compare it to a league like the Midwest League where you have 16 teams, it's just entirely different worlds. So as somebody who's worked in this league for some time now, how would you differentiate the Texas League among minor leagues and specifically at the AA level? Well, to me, it's the ultimate jump in terms of going from right. A ball to AA. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of guys go directly from from Corpus Christi to Houston, and, and for good measure. Uh, you know, AAA is a nice area for seasoning and, and to get to get guys ready for that final step. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the size of the league. And you mentioned the fact that, you know, the divisional uh, foes play 20-plus times a year. And so there, there are no secrets, you know, when it gets down to uh, June and July. Right. And uh, it's just been incredible to see the likes of the Lance McCullers, you know, make that immediate jump uh, to uh, Minute Maid Park and, and to have an impact uh, right from the start. It's very rewarding, and uh, it's a chance for fans here to, to see uh, half seasons or full seasons of big-time prospects, you know, from uh, Carlos Correa to Alex Bregman. Uh, yeah, that's something you don't get at AAA, and, and it really makes the quality of the brand of baseball uh, very uh, premium, I guess is the right word I'm trying to say, uh, here at Whataburger Field. And I have to imagine you've seen – a number of players now over your time here go from the hooks to the major leagues. But it has to be pretty satisfying 
not only for that to be happening now, but to see those guys having a lot of success as a team. Well, it really is. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, going to spring training games. It's it's really cool to walk into the clubhouse and to see uh, 80% of the guys, former hooks. Right. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show you the Astros doing it the right way, the sustainable way in terms of growing the farm talent and, and getting those guys up to the big leagues because you're never going to uh, have a shortage of supply. If you do things the right way, if you draft well, if you develop well, that's the model that Jeff Luno and Jim Crane have adopted, and it's certainly working out pretty well. Well, it is very hard to believe that we are underway next week here in Corpus. You're going on the road with a six-game road trip to begin things, and then we will get back here to Whataburger Field and start things off. We make our on-air debut together on the radio. That should be fun. Well, this, Or maybe not. I don't know. This is on air. I, you know, yeah, it is. This is the debut. This is, this is it. So, folks, you, you've heard it first. <laughs> Well, should be fun. Uh, good luck on the road trip next week. I will see you back here for the home opener here at Whataburger Field. Michael Coffin, the voice of the Corpus Christi Hooks, and you are listening to Houston We Have Prospects, the inaugural episode. Mike, thanks so much. Thanks, Sam. Certainly a great chat with Mike. Like I said, he's a wealth of information as far as the Astros minor league system goes and some great insight there, not only uh, into the hooks and the minor league system, but into uh, what's made the big league club so good over the last couple of years as well. Moving right along, we're joined by Jake Levy now, the play-by-play voice of the Quad Cities River Bandits in the Midwest League, single-A affiliate of the Houston Astros. You can find Jake on Twitter at Jake Levy Voice. Let's talk to Jake. Before we focus on this season, I want to rewind and take you back to 2016. I know there are a lot of listeners out there that might not know how Quad Cities did last year, what players stood out. So in a few minutes, what was the recap of 2016 up at Quad Cities? Sure. Well, it got off to a, a little bit of a tough start. Team opened up 2-10 and 10 on the season, had a back-to-back five-game losing streaks, which obviously doesn't help anything. The weather was very, very cold last year, unseasonably chilly. It was snowing in the second game of the year on the road at Cedar Rapids, and that kind of set the tone for the year. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with the team at all, in 2015, the River Bandits were the winningest team in all of minor league baseball, had 88 wins, looked like things were really trending upward, and then uh, last year had a tough start to the year. But overall, the team, I mean, we really got to see some cool prospects come through here and some guys really flourish, especially as the, the weather warmed up. Uh, I know I'm sure we'll talk about Kyle Tucker quite a bit. He's the number two prospect for the Astros. He was, you know, for a 19-year-old kid, he was as poised as they come. He was joking around, having a good time. He got off to a great start, uh, which obviously helps the morale and everything. But he was definitely ready for this league when he came in here. Uh, A lot of excitement with him. Daz Cameron started the year here as well. And uh, the thing that really jumped out at me with Daz, he struggled at the plate while he was here but his defense was outstanding his effort was great he was taking early work almost every single day and I think that was the kind of the theme for the River Bandits last year even though the wins weren't really coming uh, the team record wise wasn't putting together quite what they were hoping to do Uh, we saw a lot of guys really improve throughout the 2016 season Uh, having a guy like Omar Lopez as the manager of this team kept everybody very even keel he's been in the Astros system forever, and he was awesome to work with in my first year. Uh, Saw some cool things on the pitching side as well. Albert Abreu, who recently got traded to the New York Yankees, helping to bring Brian McCann over to Houston. Uh, He really earned himself to be that key prospect in the trade. Had a tough first half of the season, but he was electric 
in the second half. You, you look at his numbers, he was 2-8 and eight with a 350 ERA in the on the 2016 season with the River Bandits. But in his second half, he had a 116 ERA in almost 40 innings of work. He was just as promised in the second half once the weather warmed up a little bit. Once he settled in, got more comfortable, you could really see, and he earned a late-season promotion. And then there were some surprising guys. Uh, you know, Franklin Perez, who I know has turned a lot of heads, but when he came in, he was 18 years old. When he got called up to Quad Cities, he was, I think, the youngest guy in the entire Midwest League, and he came in and just picked up right where Abreu left off, part of that tandem rotation. Those two guys were pitching together the entire second half of the year, and we had a lot of two-hour games. Those guys worked quick, and they were very, very dominant. In this league, um, you know, Perez had a couple of losses on the year, but again, a guy who in the second half was just phenomenal. 3.15 ERA in 40 innings in the second half, and he fell off a little bit towards the end. You know, being 18 years old, I'm sure there was some fatigue that played into that, but you could really see a ton of promise from him. Uh, so you got to see a lot of cool prospects that you know we had the big names like Kyle Tucker, like Albert Abreu, and then some lesser known guys like Franklin Perez and another guy, Miles Straw, who will not stay unknown in this league for long, Sam. Uh, Miles hit 374 here in 68 games. He didn't qualify, but he certainly would have been the league leader in average. He got called up with about three weeks left in the season, and he was about, I think, three games away from getting his ABs to qualify him for the league lead. He certainly would have had it. Uh, there was a lot of excitement in August. The team was right there on the cusp, and then uh, Kyle Tucker got called up. Miles Straw got called up. Albert Abreu got called up, and you know, down the stretch in the heat of a playoff race, things cooled for Quad Cities, but nonetheless, there was a ton of excitement. One big name you mentioned there is Kyle Tucker, number five overall pick in 2015, number two rated Astros prospect by MLB.com this offseason. Jake, you saw him play a lot. I'm sure you got to know him personally, riding on the bus, on the road, all the cool perks that come along with being the radio voice of a team in the minor leagues. After spending a summer watching him, what's so special about Kyle Tucker, and why do you think the Astros organization is so high on this guy? Well, first of all, technically he's super sound. I mean, he's got a great left-handed swing, has plenty of launch to it. Some of the balls that came off his bat were unbelievably hard hit. And the sneaky part about him was he had 31 steals by the time July ran around, Sam. I had a, a, sta a scout up here in the press box one day and he's looking through the stat pack and he asked me if I was lying on the stats because he couldn't believe that Kyle Tucker had 31 steals at that point but he was 31 for 40 stealing bases and he's sneaky quick he's sneaky athletic you know he's a tall lanky kid he's young and he's still got plenty of room to fill out but when you look at him you don't see a 30 base stealer even at this league but he was just has such a good baseball sense it wasn't so much that he was faster than everybody, just more that, you know, by the time he was three pitches deep into a count, he had the pitcher pegged and he knew when he was going home. He knew the move and he had a great jump, was able to get easy steals a lot of the time. And that was a big one that jumped out at me. The other one was his demeanor. I mean, there were some tough stretches for him. Everyone will have some. And there was he had a really good May, had a couple of tough weeks in June. But everything for the kid was pretty level head. I mean, he was focused in batting practice every day he was always trying to get better but at the same time you know you could sit around at the cage like you said I mean I got a lot of chances to travel with him to talk with him in downtime and for a 19 year old kid you know he talked about music he could talk about anything he was you know, he, he was 
was able to focus when it was time to focus, but also knew how to kind of compartmentalize everything. And for such a young kid to have the ability to do that, with right. all the pressure that comes with being a number two prospect in the organization, last year he entered at number four, but that doesn't really lessen any of the pressure on you. There's still a lot of eyes on Kyle Tucker every time he steps into the batter's box, and he really handled it well, and no moment ever seemed to be too big for him. And I think that's just as much as the fact that he's got a great left-handed swing and he's got good athleticism and he's got a chance to really fill out and play good baseball. I think the fact that you know he's got an older brother who's gone through this and he's been able to talk to Preston and he's been able to really take what he's learned from that and apply it to his own life. And he's really came in well more mature than his age dictates. Now, that's a great point you make, especially about Preston Tucker. That's something that I don't know a lot of people even realize about Kyle Tucker is that Preston is his older brother and is a guy who's already went through uh, the Astros minor league system. And I love uh, what you said about batting practice. And, and really, that's the type of insight we're trying to get in on this podcast is, is when you watch these guys both on and off the field before games, how they prepare. Uh, that's great stuff on Kyle Tucker. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but is there anybody you saw last year that maybe isn't in the top 30 or guys that necessarily are on a lot of fans' radars who really impressed you and I guess is somebody that the fans really need to know about? For me, Miles Straw is the guy. Uh, you, know, you look at what he can do, he's so fast. And like I said, he hit over 370 in Quad Cities last year, went to Lancaster and hit his first career home run in his first game with the Jethawks. He's so unassuming, and he works so hard, and he's so quick, and he causes so many problems. I mean, every ground ball that was hit to the left side was a base hit for him, pretty much. And his spray chart was, you know, hard line drives into right field or ground balls to the left side, and it played perfectly into his game. Uh, you know, he's a guy who started the year in extended spring last season, came towards the end of May to Quad Cities and really kind of immediately assumed a starting outfield role and was very important to what this team did. He hit leadoff in like 63 of his 65 games. Uh, he started his first game, he was in the nine hole, and then the very next game he hit in the one because obviously Omar saw the speed and saw the ability that he has. And I think he's really turned a lot of heads for the Astros. Just, I mean, you look at the numbers and people have to look. But, you know, he kind of also reminds me of a guy like Jared Dyson with the Royals who, uh, if you're in a playoff position, you can kind of open up that roster a little right. bit. He's a guy who's probably faster than him almost everybody in the Astros right. organization. He, he can really play some key roles in that and be a nice, solid guy who can do some things in either a role position or eventually even somebody who can be a solid pinch hitter, a solid DH, somebody who can really make some noise. Another guy, uh, Dexter McCall, who I know was a, you know, he was named an organizational all-star. So you would think that, you know, he's definitely starting to get some more recognition. But that's a guy, man. Sam, I'll tell you, he was the... Every day, that guy came looking to get better. I mean, whether it was in the weight room, whether it was the way he was eating, whether it was right. you know his workouts on the field, a traditional first baseman. Uh, when he was in high school, he was a third baseman and a shortstop. The Astros moved him over to first. He's a bigger guy. He really filled out his frame. And you know, he was still kind of learning first base on the fly, but he was the everyday first baseman here in Quad Cities, did a nice job defensively, and uh, was in that heart of the order almost every single game, and he was really able to produce. He was also one of the two guys that played over 100 games for Quad Cities last year, so also had the durability that you'd like to see from somebody in that role, and he's another guy that I'd keep an eye out on. 
I'm sure a number of those guys we might see up at the AA level by the end of this year as Jake Levy once again, the voice of the Quad Cities River Bandits, joining us on Houston We Have Prospects, the inaugural episode of our system podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on at Modern Woodman Park this year. I know there are a number of folks who might be listening who are planning trips to Astros minor league affiliates, might be listening in the Midwest right now. What's going on with the River Bandits and what do we have to be excited about? Well, obviously, you know, we're still the only minor league baseball park that has a Ferris wheel on the grounds. Our 105-foot Ferris wheel is awesome. We've got a couple of new rides uh, coming on the way as well. Uh, we did a really nice job this year. Our owner, Dave Heller and Robbie Smith, really paid attention to the safety. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, the talk was expanding the nets, and the River Bennett's got some new netting installed to encompass the entire seating bowl to improve the safety of everybody coming to the ballpark. Uh, one of the other things that we're in the process of installing actually right now, I'm looking out my broadcast booth and watching them get ready to do it. They're putting in LED lights around the field so uh we're one of i think three or maybe four teams this year that are going with that trend of the led lights on the field oh, first very of all, cool. reduces light pollution um it, it also allows us to do some pretty cool things we can almost do you know pyrotechnic light shows out here with the lighting and everything and those are getting installed so there's a lot of stuff that was revolved around safety around the fan experience this year and uh you know we just keep on trying to improve and uh, make this place the most enjoyable place to watch a baseball game in the entire midwest and uh, between the the great rides that our owner is keen on and the awesome safety features we've got going in there's certainly some fun things to do at modern woodman park this year we're looking ready to get rolling in a few days well, the biggest difference or one of the biggest differences between the Texas League and the Midwest League, Texas League is seven other teams aside from the Hooks. Midwest League, how many teams do you have in that league now? There are 16 teams, but Sam, the way we break it up, we pretty much only play seven teams as well. So there are two divisions of eight. There's the West and the East. We're over on the West side. And uh, outside of four weeks out of the year, we pretty much only play our own division. Uh, there's two weeks in each half where – We'll go for six games to the East, and then two teams from the East will come to us. So we only play the Eastern Division foes three times apiece. Everybody else is against the West. So even though our league is almost or more than double the size of the Texas League, we still have that same familiar feel of seeing you know some of those same teams pretty much week in and week out and getting that familiarity. Jake Levy, voice of the Quad Cities River Bandits, Astros single-A affiliate in the Midwest League, joining us on this week's podcast, the first ever episode of Houston We Have Prospects. Jake, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Sam, thanks for having me on, man, and welcome to the Astros family. Rolling along on Houston, we have prospects. We're now joined by Peter Fiorentino, the broadcaster of the Tri-City Valley Cats, Short season, New York Penn League affiliate of the Houston Astros. And this time of year, it looks like we're all scrambling around in this final stretch before opening day. But in the New York Penn League, you guys don't start the season until June. So you guys pretty relaxed out there or what? Yeah, well, uh, relaxed, relaxed. I wouldn't exactly put it that way, but uh, we're getting really excited. I know uh, we we always have something to look forward to with the Major League Baseball draft because uh, we see a lot of those players here in Troy. So uh, definitely excited, but uh, but I don't know about relaxed. Yeah, it seems like in minor league baseball, you're really never relaxed at all. It always seems like stuff is going on, and uh, there's always a lot to get to. So for fans that didn't follow along last year, take us through last season for Tri City. Who stood out? and how the team did. 
So the team finished at a at a 500 mark. They were 38 and 38 last season. Um, this is a, a Valley Cats team last year that had a record number of call ups to the next level. So uh, it was a team that started out real hot, uh, was was right in the division race the first half of the season and then we got a couple of our players called up and we lost about 60 percent of our offense in the second half of the season so we weren't able to to quite um finish the season out as strongly as we started but this was a team that uh, has was had a lot of power a lot of home runs hit 51 home runs for our team last year um and the next highest in the York penalty i think was right around 39 so this is a team that hits a lot of home runs had a lot of power um and just towards the end of the season kind of kind of faded out there at the end who are some guys that really stood out in your eyes or maybe guys that fans didn't have on their radar before last year? So the first guy I'll mention, uh, his name is Randy Cesar, uh, and he's an infielder in the Astros organization. He's been playing, uh, starting with the DSL Astros back in 2012. Um, he has never really put it together offensively until he got to uh, Tri-City last year. He hit 389 in 30 games with us. Um, there was a stretch of games where he reached base uh, in 12 straight plate appearances, uh, which was a pretty impressive mark, and he plays really good third base when he puts his mind to it. So he was a guy I was really excited about and really proud of that he got called up to uh, to quad cities but uh he, he was stellar for us uh he wasn't a big power guy but really a, a guy who knows how to get on base um and it was really good at knocking in runners uh he was really good and also uh steven wren was another one of my favorites to watch last year uh he was a guy who got uh, was a sixth round selection out of georgia uh, i got to watch him play i was calling games a few years ago in the um Northwoods League and as well as the Cape Cod League uh, out in Massachusetts and so um, Ren I got to see play for the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox and uh, he was incredible for us I mean in 36 games he had just near 300 he led the team with nine home runs so he was a lot of fun a lot of fun to watch now before we get any further you broadcasted for YD I broadcasted for Orleans I didn't know that so a couple of uh, CCBL alumni chatting here how about that Peter I was calling games for the Harwich Mariners, but I, I when, we, when we played Yarmouth Dennis, yeah, he was uh, he was on the team for sure. I will tell you, Orleans had a couple of postseason battles with Harwich. I always liked going to what's the name of the field out there? White House Field. White House Field. That's it. I, yeah. I will I will say this about Harwich: they always had the nicest uniforms. I love that cream color look. That was awesome, and uh, the CCBL was a great place. Yeah, definitely. So moving on and and getting more into Tri-City, the interesting thing about the New York Penn League and short season ball is that you guys get a lot of players straight from the draft, straight from high school, straight from college, and then you get to see them make that early transition from high school ball, from college ball, to the minor leagues, which is such a different animal in so many different ways. How is that interesting to you as a broadcaster? So, so in two ways. The, the first one is, uh, depending on how much exposure these guys have had with college leagues and, and summer leagues, a couple of them haven't ever had experience with wood bats, uh, which is always an interesting transition to the to the major league level. So you see a lot of the guys out doing early work with a couple of the hitting coaches and with our manager last year who haven't had a ton of experience with wood bats. And so there's a lot of t- learning and teaching on where that ball is going to go, how to make perfect contact with it, where to drive it, how it's going to move off the bat, uh, guys experimenting with different kinds of wood for their bats so that's always an interesting transition to see and beyond that on the more 
more uh, personal player uh, personnel basis, a lot of these guys, our roster is pretty split. It's half guys from the draft, like you mentioned, and it's also half international players who are playing over here in the U.S., some of them for the first time, uh, right. who come over from the DSL leagues and maybe a few from Greenville. So a lot of it is learning the language barrier. Language barrier. A lot of these, these new guys from college haven't actually had to speak Spanish in their life before, and so they're playing against a lot of guys who only speak Spanish. So it's interesting to see how they communicate and kind of learn from each other and with each other in the clubhouse. Now, you make a great point there, especially about the wood bats. We see that in the summer leagues, in the Cape Cod League, for example, where you have guys coming from college, some of whom have never used the wood bat, and that's a huge transition. And obviously the other part of that is a lot of these guys are not used to playing every day, so that's a huge part of it too. And you mentioned, like Louis said, in the in the collegiate leagues and the wood bat leagues in the summer. Yeah, sure, that's last summer and two summers ago. But then they play a whole college season with their aluminum bats, and then they got to you know relearn the tools of the trade after the draft when they come to Tri City. Oh, Peter, great having you on. Great perspective from Tri City in the New York Penn League. I'm sure we're going to have you on a lot more as the summer rolls along. Peter Fiorentino, the broadcaster of the Tri City Valley Cats. Peter, thanks so much. Sam, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So that'll wrap up our first ever episode of Houston We Have Prospects. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something from it if you're an Astros fan or just a baseball fan in general. And again, I want to hear from you about what you would find interesting on this podcast. My Twitter is SammyLev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Feel free to tweet at me with any comments, concerns, and uh, any advice for what you would like to hear on this podcast moving forward this season. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Houston We Have Prospects.